Welcome to the Technoid Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Joining me on today's show, Jake Kaiser, CEO of Hatch Loyalty. I don't think a lot of people know the story of Belly, which is now Hatch Loyalty. Uh, you also don't know the story of people eating on camera. It doesn't make any sense, but we started the show talking about eating and drinking on, on camera because, surprisingly, very difficult. You would, you would not think. Uh, it has nothing to do with anything, uh, but it was a fun starting point with, uh, with Jake. I learned some stuff in here about the transition for Belly that I really never knew. We also, you know, took a couple hits at some of the VCs out there because I, I personally, I think that not everything went perfect for Belly, but I think that there was also a little bit of, if this were any other town but Chicago when Belly got their their start, I think it'd be a different, let's put it this way, I don't know if it's a different ending, but I think it'd be a different um, view. I think people would have a different perspective. Anyway, we get into a bunch of stuff. It's totally worth listening to. Uh, before we go into all of that good stuff, though, I have got to check in with the Startup Inbox, which is brought to you by Active Campaign. Go beyond email marketing with True Automation by signing up at activecampaign.com slash technori. Get your first two months for free. Um, I say this every time. I'll say it again. We actually use Active Campaign. I love Active Campaign. Especially love the little deals app. Um, I'd like to close more, but I still like the app nonetheless. Okay, Robert Kraus, time to break up big tech. I feel like someone asked me this question recently. I don't even know. Maybe it was Robert and I'm reading this twice. If so, my apologies. With U.S. officials gearing up the antitrust probe against Alphabet, <coughs> Google, does it make sense to break up big tech companies? Are they abusing their market power illegally? Well, if they're led by good CEOs, they're trying to. Uh, the world is not designed for you to be a billionaire, not designed for companies to make a trillion dollars. Um, so in order to do so, you need to be, I've been told this by many people, many uh, people who aren't in jail, that in order to be a trillion dollar company or be a billionaire, you need to be just on the right side of the line of the law that you're making lawyers and government officials have to rewrite some code to stop the next one from doing what you just did. If you can accomplish that, there's a pretty good chance you're going to, you're going to pad your wallet. Um, I'm a capitalist. So in this particular case, Free market, move on, keep rolling. Uh, that said, and I've said this before, maybe this is a, just nostalgia. Maybe this is where I, I feel like I've heard this question before. It's on us as citizens and thus our political officials to know what the hell we're looking at. You can't be asking Mark Zuckerberg, you know, one sip of water at a time, how Facebook makes its money. You can't look at Google and be like, is this a monopoly? Yeah, it's a monopoly. They got all your data. They got everything. What are you? Are you kidding? Now, does that mean they should be broken up? Well, the stocks already been broken up once, but does that mean that they need to be broken up? I don't know. Uh, maybe the government needs to know what the hell these businesses are doing and how they make money and not take so much money from lobbyists. And maybe this isn't a problem. Maybe if we governed right, we wouldn't have to break companies up. You can't shame the companies and the founders for taking advantages of liberties and of stupidities that's just my take robert kraus bob hopefully it doesn't bother you that's just how i feel um with less haste we shall move on to the podcast it is a very good one hatch loyalty ceo jay kaiser pizza pizza pizza's always pizza, the right thing soup like. <laughs> yeah but soup you gotta look, look, look yeah, like yeah, you, you can't, can't yeah. pizza's good i actually just listened to a, a show we might, this is our show. We're, we're just going. Perfect. We're just going. This Sounds I good. listened to. Um, 
I listened to a show. I listened to a show uh, just the other day on on like it was actually Rob Lowe, yeah. and he's talking about uh, how incredibly skilled one has to be to eat on camera. Yeah, it can't be easy. Well, you would think it wouldn't be hard, right? But then at the same time, he's like, so so most things he talked about the late James Gandolfini. <sighs> Uh, and in Sopranos, he's always eating. Yeah. And he was like, when we, when you watch any show and there's an eating scene, if you pay attention, like the the person, the actor or actress usually has like this tiny crumb that they put in their mouth and they just sit on it because like 25 takes, you'd yeah, be eating yeah, yeah. all the time yeah. and there's no way to tell like when it's going well or not going well and you're going to, you know, how much you've eaten. And so now I think about it, like we've we've toyed on the show. We've had Tavala on the show. We yeah. ate on the show. Uh, we have drank on the show several times. <laughs> that goes really well. Uh, but now that we have donuts in here, I I'm just wondering if that's a mistake. They're taunting you. They're t- this is true. They're like trying to set my like offset my whole thing here. I think <laughs> they're trying to ruin. Well, someone is. I don't know if the donuts are. I don't know who the they here is. Yeah, exactly. But. Uh, this is probably not what you thought you'd talk about when you came no, on the show. No, I was ready for it. Yeah, that's exactly. Ready. They got me ready. Like, donuts are going to be there. He's going to start with that. So. <laughs> We're going to talk about eating on camera and Rob Lowe. Um, <laughs> so I actually have you in here for other reasons. I think Hatch Loyalty has an interesting, a very interesting story that goes all the way back to like the, the root of Chicago tech. It's one of the first yeah. tech companies in Chicago that, that gained any notoriety, and it's had uh, investors, advisors, and employees, founders who have touched the community in a million ways. From whether that's you know talking about Logan going back to the to the, the Logan and the Belly days, yep. or if you want to go to like Logan's time at TechStars or Link Link or um, at LightBank, and yeah. just everything that is Chicago tech is somehow associated uh, with Hatch. And so I thought having the CEO on would be a good yeah, a good time it. to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so before we get into, I want to know more about you really. Yeah. Uh, than anything else but I, I i'd love to just give a a brief synopsis if you will on what hatch loyalty is yeah so uh i think going back to belly right i think we've tried very hard over the last couple of years to define hatch define ourselves as our own entity as our own company um, and what hatch really is is we are a technology platform that retailers use to build their own loyalty uh engagement uh, offers or otherwise consumer activation uh, programs. So we are not building programs. We're not the judge and jury. Um, we're not building a product that goes into market as our branded thing. We really are a software uh, being sold as a service to enterprise retailers. So, can you so like can you talk about the that transformational position? And it doesn't have to go into like what all happened with Belly in general, yeah. but like where you saw the market change where you saw the opportunity shift. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the bottom line, right, is that Belly was built as a business uh, to scale by selling to small businesses. And when you do that, you have to be very specific uh, in what you're investing your resources in, right? Yeah. You have to build a big product team. You have to be sort of on the bleeding edge or at least the cutting edge of what that product is. And that has to be specific to the mom and pop retailer that's going to buy it. And you also have to invest heavily in sales, right? Yep. And I think following the model of, you know, Grubhub and OpenTable and Groupon before it, the idea was you had to scale very fast in very concentrated areas. Yep. And I would say that uh, for a lot of reasons, a Hatch is sort of the antithesis of each of those things, yep. right? Where we can use a very- Jake is a good thing, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not at all a bad thing, right? I think what we've said is we've learned 
um, and been very fortunate to learn from those before us. And you know, for me, I was there for that. Yeah. So it's not like I came in and said, "Hey, let's do this different." Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get to yeah. that because there's there's a whole part of this of why, you know why I want to talk to you about a lot of things other yeah, than yeah, just yeah. this. I I think including eating while doing a show. <laughs> um, no, I I so. I have a little bit of experience in the business that you guys were in with Belly in the beginning. Okay. Um, one of the first companies, and they've since uh, gone under, and they dealt with a lot of the same problems. Uh, I was called Warbler. It was the first company that I sort of, out of college, was was in on. Yeah. And the idea was there's an app for everything. And so the concept was, and you know, they had a different variation. I think this is probably why things went south. I saw it as something that if you were trying to do the app for everything, build a reskinned app for every business, you're yeah. going to fail. There's no differentiation. Yep. That's not why people use apps. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Um, in my mind, I looked at it as if you could give somebody this who wants the same experience with a different type of app for a different community, so community-based. So if you're a news app, you want to expect a Sun-Times app to be the same in every place you go. Yeah but different in that it's geolocation-wise, yeah. it feeds you different stuff. And so we were in that business, and we were going door-to-door through Evanston and Naperville and you name it, trying to sell these local businesses on advertising on these community apps instead of going through your normal news outlet because they're feeding information to people who aren't your local. And, right. and this is like 2013, so we're not at the like sharpest sensor geolocation yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite on point. Got it. Long story short, we ran into the problem that you have to be everybody, everything to everybody. Yeah when you're dealing with small businesses and this is like the last dime or dollar they have. Mm -hmm. And so if you go in and you try to sell them on this, this, um, you know, in this case, SaaS platform or an app or whatever it is, they're sort of like, you're kind of beholden to like what their needs are and they will immediately kill it if you're not serving exactly what they want, Yeah, which becomes a gigantic scale problem. Well, it's also like you have to be, so you have to be everything, for them, right, for everybody. But you also have to sort of gobble up all of your competition. There will be one winner in each of those yep. sort of businesses, right? And you saw that in many ways. You've seen that with Grubhub. You've seen yes. it with OpenTable. You've seen it with Groupon. Um, there are, there was always going to be one. I think of Stripe in a, in a similar sense yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Like Stripe's defensibility, and maybe this is something that, that Hatch now benefits from. Yeah, is that it? It offers a single, not just single, but like narrow yeah a narrow offering that is open to everyone's use case like you can use it for your online store you could use it for people coming in and shop and swiping you could use it for managing your money there's a million things but our product doesn't change or better you don't care what people use it for correct if you want to process payments use stripe yeah and i think the i think that's probably better uh, aligned with what hatch thinks of is if you want to activate consumers yep and in a retail environment, use Hatch. Yeah. Not you have to build this type of program or you have to have this type of experience or you have to brand it this way. Because I think right? that's where you get in trouble. I think that's Absolutely. where a lot of these companies have found themselves sort of um, you know, taking a lot of down rounds, yeah. quite frankly, is that like in theory, like we'll look at our total addressable market and then you realize that in order to actually capture any of it, you spend every day in dev trying to reconfigure and rebuild feet. It just is yeah. It's well, and not, again, like yeah. we're we didn't start from zero, right? So like we didn't have um, to some extent we didn't have the headaches, but we also didn't have the upside, right? Of somebody yep. that's starting with an ADF fresh to change or disrupt some industry. Yep. We started with a team that had been through the ups and downs. We started with, you know, 
a group of clients that had been saying things and not from belly right but a group of relationships where we had learned all these things we wanted to do differently yeah um and so you say things like down runs i didn't even think about that yeah right? we haven't raised any capital yeah. we've never raised it's a good dollar, place to be right it, well sort of right like the entity belly did yeah and then we had to deal with the transition into setting a new but norm. for you though for me yeah for it's a fresh start it I is mean, right i mean it's it's one of those things where Somebody um, else got to get the skin knees. Well, yeah, yeah. I think I, you know, but again, being part of that, right? I definitely want to take ownership of that as well. I think the true, the true situation that we. I want to take ownership of like the experience learned. Yes, that's not right. the mistakes made. If that yeah. makes any sense, or or just say like I can own. I think one thing for me personally was it's okay and it will always be okay to make mistakes. Don't make them twice. Yes. Right? Well, that yeah, and that's, that's that's it. But like in the enterprise retail world you have to sort of say hey we're not going to disrupt the way you're going to change your business right we can help you or we can be the enabler and i think that was the big sort of reckoning for me and for our team right was this commitment to saying hey we can enable these clients that are willing to pay us good money to do what they want to do we so, don't have to decide what they do i no i totally agree i want to i'm, I'm going to say this and then i'll back away you say whatever you want to say in return <laughs> um I and I'm sort of joking. This is way overclimactic. Um, I think that a, we don't need to keep talking about Belly, but like as an example, mm-hmm. I think Belly is honestly an, an example of the misfortune of timing, because Chicago is not was not what it is today when Belly went out and did this, and the expectations from investors and the expectations about learning from failure, about taking big risks, about just doing it and just breaking shit and keep going wasn't afforded i don't think that opportunity was there i think there was a a measure of like oh this is our big success this is our first gonna be win and then the very tight risk averse chicago investor that still kind of exists well definitely still exists here but it was the only player in town at the time Mm -hmm. looked and judged and and like did not let in my opinion did not let you guys make the mistakes that every single company that you're competing against was making every day yeah. and just raising their way out of or yeah. whatever. And you didn't get that opportunity. And so when, when Chicagoans would look at those in the VC community, would look at Belly, and if at any point they were like very judgy, mm-hmm. I just remember thinking like, you're a fucking trader. <laughs> well, and that's... You weren't, you, were, you weren't an operator. Right. Well, and that's, I think that's a big difference, right? When I, when I evaluate that in hindsight... Which is an unfair place of to course. do it, right? And but I that's where we try to live. <laughs> I, I joined Belly after the Series B, mm-hmm. which was the last round we've raised, yep. right? Um, and so I wasn't in the meetings where you know we're pitching as an organization to VCs that this is the growth rate you can expect, right? Yep. But I think at the end of the day, there's there's fundamental uh, metrics around the business model you're selling, yeah. And when you say that you can sell something for X and it costs you Y, or it takes this amount of time to pay it back, or here's what the you know continued revenue is from these variety of businesses, and here's your churn, you get into a world that's actually less about VCs and more about operating a business Correct. at scale. Correct. And I think that to me was the opportunity that Belly was never afforded, which was the understanding that you learn how to operate a business at scale takes time well that's just money, it that's right? just it like and you guys are 20 it. early 20s yeah. and this is before everyone was a repeat founder totally. this is like in in on either coast this yeah. is not this doesn't go down no. not to say that they'd be I, successful it's fair it's but fair. it just doesn't go down this way it doesn't and i i also think there's a there's a need to make a commitment at some point 
and and this is true today. This yeah. is not you know something in hindsight, but. You know, you need to make a bet at some point to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. But you also need to be quick to say, okay, if that doesn't work, we go this way. Yeah, correct. And that's, to me, the learning from any business that you look at that's raised money and not gotten where they wanted to get was, you know, what did you take out of it? How can you apply that to the next thing? And I think that's why when we sit here today and we talk about Hatch and being excited about it, unlike many teams, right, we have people with all that experience. Correct. Which I think is is obviously huge value. I've said this at numerous events that I'll speak at or whatever, and we talk to people, especially to, like, VCs who get really, like, twitchy when I start talking <laughs> about this stuff. But, like, the re- this is just the, the cold, hard facts of any business. It's about product market fit as fast as you possibly can. If you're in a boat, and if you're a startup, let's just assume it's a rickety boat. Yeah. You need to not slow down because you take on more water. Yeah. You need to speed. You need to go as fast as you can because the holes are filling. Mm-hmm. And if you go slow down, the boat's going to sink no matter what. Yeah. But if you keep staying fast, at least you can stay above the water as long as humanly possible. And if it was going to crash, it's going to crash anyway. Yeah, I, I think part of that too, right, is like having a good feel for where you're headed in the boat. Yeah, like, well, ideally. just well, in, a, in, in the opposite direction of the nearest wall. Yeah, wherever you get to stop and refuel or fix <laughs> yeah. the holes, right? Like, yeah. so, so the point that I would make is I think a lot of companies like in our stage now would say what you're saying is the right path forward. And what you find in that world is, okay, we're going to get a bunch of clients and at the end of that, maybe we're going to lose nine of 10, yep. but that's okay because we got to where we're going. Now we can refuel and yep. we'll go get 10 more clients of what we learned, right? We learned from, from the nine we lost, what was why we got the one and we replicate that. Yeah. And what's been interesting with Hatch is because of our history, because of where we were founded and funded, we didn't really have that opportunity to yep. fail that way. And so we've taken a different approach, which is, I think, slower, right? Atypical yep. in the sense that we've scaled with one major client. We have a couple other clients, but from a, you know, platform usage, from a product, you know, development perspective and revenue perspective, we've grown exponentially each of the years we've been around. And I think the learnings from that are, okay, now we're ready to go to market. Yes. Right. And, which and is I, different. I totally agree. And I think it's, it's actually really probably for the best yeah but. And, and you guys should know anything and everything there is to know about the customer base that you plan on going out to serve because you know what didn't work and what yeah. what should have or could have worked yeah well and i think we've also sort of submitted to the idea that retailers in general our clients can actually be the best source of innovation for us yeah where you know we are going to continue to be a small team that's tight-knit that works together um, and leverage those partners, those retailers, um, like-minded individuals that maybe don't work for us but are interested in what we do and see synergies yep. to help us innovate. And we've seen that work very well, right, efficiently. So I want to I wanna learn more about you personally in this. Like, you're, Are you from Chicago area? Uh, yeah, I grew up in Hinsdale. Okay, so, so I'm a Glen Ellen guy. So I, we can both, neither one there of us can say Chicago, but we, we do anyway. <laughs> um, what would your parents do? Uh, so my mom was a nurse growing up. My dad uh, runs his own business, family business, been in the family since World War II. When my grandpa started it. Sweet. So you check that box on the entrepreneur to entrepreneur, Absolutely, business yeah. owner. Yeah. We always like chart these themes of like, oh, yeah. when we get the CEOs in the room, it's like, or the founders, it's like, there's like a handful of common things that come across. That is always one of them. Uh, your first job. My first job was a caddy. Where'd you caddy at? Uh, Hinsdale. Hinsdale Country Club, yeah. 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 Um, any, anything that was not, are you a golfer? I am. Okay. Yeah, so I we, can nerd, we should just be yeah. golfing. What are we doing in here? I know. This well, you're first, telling like, me nice it's day. the first nice day of the year. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So I want to like, I want to get to the root of why a person like yourself who clearly has background and resources and experience 
would put themselves through the experience that you've put yourself through. This is something a lot of entrepreneurs that I talk to and they're like, they're just nuts. Like <laughs> they like the abuse. I don't yeah. know. Like what, what is it that has like, what was the first real job that wasn't, that wasn't a caddy? So when I got out of college, I started at Starcom. So in the okay. media agency yep. side of business here. Um, so you can sell. I, I can sell. That is my background. <laughs> so I went from Starcom, I went into digital sales. And I think at the time, digital was sort of the, the redheaded stepchild to traditional media stuff, yes. right? And there were groups and budgets siphoned off for digital. And so, Believe it or not, I know people that that still is the case yeah, for. Well, that's crazy. But at the time, it was like a word that was italicized, you know, in media plans, right? Like, who's going to test this type of a thing? Yep. Not like who's going to have a strategy for it. And I focused on that. So I felt like I was on the cutting edge at the time, right? Um, but learned what it meant to sort of work outside of what everyone else was expecting, which I think is a really big and important element to be able to succeed in the startup world, which is to say you wake up every day and you're fitting a square peg in a round hole. Right. You're not doing something that has a very clear set of expectations and or success metrics. It's, hey, you got to keep one foot in front of the other. Right. Do you you think you're so like on the sales side of things, uh, that's another box checked, by the way, because there's all like all good CEOs are also amazing salespeople. If they're not, (laughs) they're they're probably not running the company. Um, There is a certain element of sales that I think even when you are amazing at your job, it's and you're able to sell anything to anybody. Yeah. uh, there's still an element of unpredictability. You're playing like gamesmanship. Like yeah. I'm sitting across from me. Like I know you. Like a good salesman doesn't sell shit that they know the person doesn't need. Like that's not how to keep a good relationship. Yeah. But you can when it's budget yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain element of that that I think startup founders all sort of have, which is why maybe they're good salesmen. But like they have the ability to to sit across the table and be like I have to get a deal done. Yeah. And everything is on the line if I don't get this deal yeah, done. Yeah. I, I think for me, it was just this realization at some point in my career. And I can probably map it back to a company I worked for uh, based in California for a while, but a conversation with a former boss, it was like, listen, at some point you have to be willing to be hundred percent honest with the person across from you yep. at the risk of losing a deal or whatever it may be, what you'll find in that, in that exchange is that you will build a relationship to a point that if it doesn't help you that day, yep. it will eventually. And I think that's a to, great to point. me, that's been a guiding light in terms of when to turn on and off that salesmanship, right? Is to say, listen, I need this done or we need this to happen. Um, if you're being truthful there, right, it will happen at some point. If you believe it will, I, I yeah. honestly no, I, believe I, you'll get to that. I point, agree with you. Right? I, I think that uh, it's not that hokey transparency kind of line it's it's just literally like i'm telling you what i need yeah and you're telling me what you need and if the two needs can like come together yeah we've got something if not maybe you know maybe next time yeah and it's but you didn't bs them right and i think you know focusing on my sales experience of not ever really selling a commodity right selling something that you know i'm not coming in and selling radio ads where everyone else is god forbid those people yeah i know god watch (laughs) out for them um but but the idea is that i think you can have that honest conversation which says like listen i believe what you're buying for me is unique yeah right you may not be ready to buy it yet but here's why here's what i need from you right and then when they do come back to you there's no um you know everything that you're saying to them is still true If you believe that, right? If you believe that what you're doing is so unique or so different, they can only get it from you, then you weren't bullshitting them a year, year and a half ago, two years ago, right? They come back to like, I see it now. And there's that belief that is probably totally irrational that I carry with me. Yeah. Probably allows me to wake up and do this every day. I don't think it's irrational. I mean, I think, well, I guess, (laughs) 
I'm with you on this. So I think that the people who wake up and they don't have that feeling, I think they're irrational. Yeah. I, I think it's bizarre a world to me if you wake up and you're like, I've got these, what, maybe you don't have goals. I don't know. But like, you've got these goals, you've got a family, you've got whatever you need. And you seem to not think that you have to put forth an effort or at least be strategic in your decision making. And you think you're going to end up where you want to go. Like, it's yeah. complete luck if that were to happen, and yeah. it usually doesn't. Well, it's also, too, in that scenario, you're sort of saying that everything around you is also moving a direction that, whether it's forward, backward, sideways, right? Part of what I believe we're doing is we're hoping to get where other people are going. Maybe yep. before them a little bit, maybe just on time, right? That whole timing thing you talked about. Yep. And when you're focused, you know, you focus a period of time of your life selling one thing, and then you wake up and it's gone, Nobody cares about it anymore, or nobody spends as much money on it, or whatever it yeah. may be, right? You're left holding the bag, but That's if you were right. built on the relationship, you can go back with more. That's right. Or just a belief that maybe others can help you get to where you want to go, right? What they're doing with something can be more valuable than you doing it alone. I think the time thing is a huge issue, because I think a lot of people, and I get it, you're trying to make money, um, and you're up against it for various reasons. Yeah. But I think a lot of people most people actually take the short version, the short vision and will sell things way too short just to try to get something done because they have to get a quota or whatever. Yeah. And those are usually the people that have kind of really short careers or if they do have a career, they, they have a ton of lateral moves. They very rarely make it up to the top because they don't, they don't see the whole picture. Yeah. And, well, in, in many cases too, I think there are pressures that are from outside that person that force that. Well, of course, but, but that's, but like, that's what makes you a leader Yeah, yeah is no that doubt. you stop and tell them behind you, like, listen, I'm not going to be a party to this short version of yeah. the, it's going to fail and I'm not going to be a part of it. And that's yeah. just it. Well, and I've had, I've had the miss, you know, the, the fortune of, I think having a very supportive board in the transition that we've had and that they've allowed us to do it what I think is the right way. Yeah. Right. And well, I also suspect credit. you've got a lot of extra, more cards than people might think because this is kind of the move that like gets those people back on yeah, the straight yeah. and narrow perhaps. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, listen, at the end of the day, I think, you know, contrary to popular belief, I think a lot of it, VC investors want to see their companies succeed. They don't just want to yeah. see dollars. And so we offer, if anything else, take the finances out of it, right? We offer them an opportunity to um, have input and help us get to a point where we are successful and they take joy in that. The they failure take pride rate in that. is too high at this stage investing for it not to be a little bit of pride and ego, yeah. a lot pride and ego. So I, to I totally get it. Yep. Uh, I know you got to run here, so I want to leave you with kind of one last uh, final question. Of all the things we just talked about, Mm -hmm. You run a company that is called Hatch Loyalty. Yep. And so loyalty and reward is kind of a pretty big thing. Yeah. What have you learned about your experience, whether it's sales, the experience of the transition? What have you learned and, and, and how has it shown in Hatch? Like, how do you reward people and make this a, a bigger, better platform as a result of the things you've learned in life? Yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, um, so if, if you believe that things are going to work out, in a way that's positive or where you want them to be. Um, I think one, it's on me to lead people toward that. That's my job. My job is not to tell them to do something or force them into some sort of box to say, hey, here's what you do. I think I've been very uh, fortunate to figure out that uh, it's really about giving people an opportunity to put themselves in a position to succeed. And that ultimately, and we believe this as a company, we say it on our website, right? Loyalty is an outcome, yep. right? And I think that for us at the end of this whole thing, it's giving people that have been talented, have been in a position to succeed, true opportunity to step up, take ownership of things, put themselves in a position um, to help, you know, 
contribute to get the company where it wants to be, putting partners in a position to equally share in our success, putting clients in a position to do the same thing. I think what you're going to find at the end of this thing, if we get to step back and take a 30,000 foot picture of it, wherever the end is, right? Yep. That all of those people are going to be equally happy, right? Yep. It won't be one winner and five people that were dragged along or 10 folks that felt like they didn't have a part of it. And I think that's where if at the end of this whole thing, everybody has loyalty to sort of this process and what we went through, not me or the company, I think that would be a success. That'd be something I'd be very proud of. I don't know how you wouldn't be proud of that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I love it. I, I actually, I, I haven't even looked at the website to say the, the part where it's loyalties and outcome. Like, I am a gigantic believer in that. I'm a total yeah. relationship build person. There's going to be a million products we're all going to be buying and selling for the rest of our lives, and I want to buy from the same person. I Absolutely. Don't, I don't want you to jam product on my throat. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Very cool. This has been a lot of fun. Where do people go to to get on Hatch and, and to yeah. learn more about it? Follow you guys. Uh, hatchloyalty.com. Uh, check it out. You know, we're not transactional in nature, right? So website's there. I think you can reach out to us there. But we're in town. We're happy to chat with anybody, uh, you know, looking to – you know, share our story, uh, talk about, you know, some of uh, the use cases of our platform and, and really continue to uh, to learn and grow as a business. So that's really what we're focused on. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming in. Cool. Thank you for having me. Appreciate right. it. Of course. Learn more about upcoming Technor events, investment opportunities. Check out the blog, subscribe to the newsletter at technor.com. Download this podcast and many others at Spotify or on Apple or wherever you get yours and follow us on social at Technor. You can follow me at Katoon. Boom. That's a wrap.